The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kuci.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, today our show is really interesting because we're talking about the impact of marijuana and with employers if in California medical um, marijuana becomes legal. And it also affects whether people right now are using medical marijuana and going to work. And how does that affect, does that affect their work? And how does that affect um, what the employer can and cannot do? And so I read this great article in the Daily Journal about, um, have, the question is, have employees been using medical marijuana? And what do you do? What do you do under certain circumstances? Uh, they had some cute uh, head notes like weeding out the workforce uh, and uh, turning over a new leaf. So we, it was a very interesting article. And so we invited Jason Meyer, who's one of the authors of this article, to join us. And let me tell you a little bit about Jason. Uh, Jason Meyer focuses his practice on all areas of civil litigation, which includes business, commercial disputes, class action, employment, which we're basically going to talk about, wage and hour class actions, copyright infringement, piracy, unfair practices, toxic tort, mass tort, and product liability. So he has a wide range of, of expertise. And he is also national counsel for numerous well-respected national companies and providing advice and oversight to their local counsel, along with trial strategy, litigation support, and support throughout the United States. You can find out more about him at our website at privacypiracy.org and also at the website of his law firm that he works for, which is Gordon Rees. Com. I'll spell that for you. It's G-O-R-D-O-N-R-E-E-S dot com. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Mari. So we have this Proposition 64 on the ballot, the adult use of marijuana. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Basically, it's going to be on the ballot in November. Right. Well, Proposition 64 is 
sort of a hot button uh, issue this uh, this coming November, along with some of the other political things that we'll all see. Um, Proposition 64 is for essentially the legalization of recreational use of marijuana. As you know, California was the first state to legalize the medicinal use of marijuana. And um, since that time, that was in 1996, and since that time, Colorado, Alaska, Oregon, and Washington have all sort of led the the, uh, way in making recreational marijuana use legal. So that's really what Proposition 64 is. Is California as a state, uh, which as you know, leads the, tends to lead the nation in uh, legal legal um, issues, are we going to make uh, this, our, or are our voters going to make this uh, a legal uh, drug? Yeah. So we have a lot of employers driving by, and what kind of impact do, what do we need to consider as employers, I'm an employer myself, what do we need to consider before we vote about our employees using marijuana? Well, that's that's a great question, Mari. And the employees or employers uh, need to both be aware of, of what to consider. And mainly with employers in California, they have to be on the alert. Employers tend to be uh, uh, more heavily chastened for any kinds of discrimination or workplace violations. And employers do face a risk by not being consistent. So uh, here with marijuana, unlike alcohol or in in some instances other types of um, illegal drugs, uh, marijuana stays in the system for uh, upwards of 30 days, I think is one of the longer longer time frames. And Mm -hmm. so if an employer is to send an employee out for drug testing, it needs to be consistent. They can't simply decide, I'm going to pick this person for whatever reason they may choose and send them out for drug testing, even if that reason is that they believe the the individual is, you know, under the influence of marijuana. Oftentimes, that can be a red flag issue. There has to be consistency uh, in the employment arena and with the way they treat each employee as compared to singling folks out uh, or or that sort of thing. Right. Uh, Hmm. And... in California, um, it's pretty clear that uh, that an employer is allowed to to uh, to do that, and they're not bound by the medicinal use laws. They are entitled to uh, test those employees as long as they do it consistently. Well, how about for you know um, the reasonable accommodation? Let's say somebody has. Um, migraine headaches or let's say that they have some reason or maybe they have cancer and they are um, using medical marijuana but they're still coming to work so what um, what about that you said that the um, the the testing really is um, they can test whether or not you're using medical marijuana what happens then if you're using it for medicinal purposes well if you're using it for medicinal purposes and say you uh, hypothetically uh, smoke marijuana or consume marijuana products in the morning before you head off to work, and then you are utilizing that for a medicinal purpose. As long as the employer is okay and has agreed that that's acceptable, then mm-hmm. the employer doesn't have uh, anything to necessarily be concerned about. Uh, with the caveat that if they are in fact doing something, some type of employment which requires uh, you know, heavy lifting, uh, operating machinery, that sort of thing, that of course the employer could face liability 
from either that employee or an, another employee or individual who may be affected uh, right. by that person's actions. Right. But, uh, and that's really up to the employer. If they want to allow people to uh, be under the influence of marijuana, then that's, then that there's no law that says that, uh, uh, at least as of now, that says that they're committing some type of violation. And they don't have to do a reasonable accommodation for that? Does that ever come no, up? Huh. No, that they do not. So... If an employer has, uh, which is sort of the other side of the coin, if their employer is not okay with people using a medicinal marijuana uh, in their workplace, then they can simply prohibit it and they can terminate. Uh, and the uh, the um, law that went into effect in 1996, which provides for um, the use of marijuana, and it's called the Compass- Compassionate Use Act, right. um, the Supreme Court of California specifically stated uh, and there was some dissent to this, but they specifically stated that employers are, that nowhere in that law was it written that employers were supposed to provide any kind of accommodation. Mm. So they are, they are not required to do that. Uh, it would not fall under the same rubric of uh, a, an individual with a disability. Right, right. Where they would have to make reasonable accommodations for a disability. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, the, the California Supreme Court, in, uh, in a case that we may talk about later, or unless you want to talk about it, now um, has already made that ruling, and the dissent uh, by one of the justices, Justice Kennard, was that um, this really should have been uh, considered, and the voters should uh, did mean or did intend for uh, the Compassionate Use Act to cross into the employment realm, but the majority held that that was not the case. Yeah, that's, that's a challenge. So what about uh, some of the other states? You know, it was interesting. I was just speaking with a friend of mine who moved here from Colorado, and um, we were talking about the fact that the challenges that they have in Colorado is, you know, like if you're buying um, brownies laced with marijuana or cookies, that it's not like with alcohol that you know what the proof is, you know, 20 proof or 18 percent proof or whatever it is. You don't really know. And we were talking about how that, you know, has been a challenge in Colorado. But what what are some of the lessons that we've learned um, from states that have passed this? You know, what's going on in terms of employment? Well, with regard to employment, you do have sort of the same things uh, applying in Colorado as you have uh, here and also um, in the other states. I think uh, there haven't been any that have made it all the way to the Supreme Court or into their much of the way into their appellate system. But Colorado, uh, you know, you would think they, they led the nation with the first legal recreational usage. They have marijuana shops everywhere now. Uh, I know my, my mom was just there, and she said she was surprised by the volume, and she stopped by one and, you know, got, immediately got hit up with all these sales pitches. They didn't realize <laughs> she, was just, she was just there to, to sort of gawk at it. But, you know, she She's was just curious. Up, you should try, <laughs> and you should try this, and she thought, wow, this is a, a whole new business here. Yeah. Um, but what, what the Supreme Court there did was, was kind of go against conventional wisdom, and they said, you are absolutely allowed to terminate an employee who, is, who tests positive. Not only, not necessarily under the uh, influence, but you are permitted in, Cal- in Colorado to uh, terminate that employee if a, a test comes back uh, positive for them. Hmm. So um, what, what the issue that they would have faced if they had, had not done this properly would have been, again, that consistency argument. And I hate to continue to beat the same drum, but the employer that faces a problem is always the one that does not apply a consistent policy for each of its employees. And so what we're finding, and we have offices in Colorado and actually 
28 different states across the U.S., and we have to deal with this with a variety of our, our offices, and that is, you know, make sure you, that their, their handbooks are properly laid out and make sure that their policies are very specific and consistently applied. Uh, the problems arise and the lawsuits arise where the consistency is more lacking, or at least there's some evidence that the consistency is not uh, necessarily um, present, uh, mm -hmm. such that they may, maybe an employee who's underperforming or an employee who has recently asked for a raise. A lot of times in the employment world, those things tend to just be coincidental, but they make for fodder for a potential plaintiff to say, well, hey, look, I, I asked for a raise, uh, and then I got sent out for drug testing two weeks later, and they knew, because I talked to everyone, that I had this back pain, and everybody knew that I was a medicinal marijuana user or a recreational marijuana user, mm -hmm. and they sent me out anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't send out Jim, and they didn't send out Sarah, and they didn't send out anyone else, but they sent me, and I'm the only one who asked for a raise. Um, so those are the things that employers really need to make sure the law is such that the employer is supported as long as they follow a consistent schedule of, of handling things and that they, they act appropriately with regard to all of their employees, not just a few of them, or, you know, they can't cherry-pick people and, and test them. That just wouldn't be okay. Right, right. It might sound like yeah. retaliation or something. So Correct. how about the fact that that um, the federal law still makes it a controlled substance and it's still illegal, how does how does that work with um, you know I, I I've read recently that the the feds aren't really um, prosecuting for that right now for marijuana use even though it's quote illegal how is that going to work well that that's also a good question and I think what has happened for quite some time now and at least since 1996 I know when the California law went into effect the federal government sort of loosely proclaimed that they were really not going to get involved. Um, uh, you have states' rights and the autonomy of the states and the separation of, of the federal and the state government, and the federal government has really taken the position, interestingly, that they're not going to get involved and they're not going to infringe upon the state's uh, autonomy, um, you know, being that uh, we, that's the way our, our government is set up. Um, interestingly, the federal government could certainly step in if they wanted to, and they could stop and they could preempt uh, these types of things, but they have opted not to. Um, the Controlled Substances Act, which is the federal act, states that marijuana is a Schedule One drug, and a Schedule One drug is one that does not have any quote-unquote medicinal purpose. Um, and now we've got you know, almost every state <laughs> agreeing that that's not true uh, and that they, they, it does, in fact, have a medicinal purpose. Um, you know, a lot of folks benefit, and, and I've... I don't have a position either way. I, I, I sort of think, you know, if somebody wants to do that, that's, that, that's their prerogative, but, um, and they can deal with the consequences, but you know, there's certainly a significant amount of literature that indicates that marijuana use can be helpful for the terminally ill, it can be helpful for pain management, for cancer, um, anxiety, yeah. and these sort of things. Yeah, cancer, yeah. and a lot of different treatments and, and counteractive uh, treatments for folks going through chemotherapy and radiation treatments, and it can uh, stem nausea. There's a lot of certainly pos positive uh, implications. I mean, it is a naturally growing substance. And, right, uh, right. You know, it's not a manufacturer. It's not crack cocaine or, or something of that nature that's been synthesized and turned into a, a brain-crushing drug. Uh, but, you know, there certainly ha it certainly has its downside. Now, I think with to more fully answer your question, the federal government taking this sort of back seat 
Um, well, California, they apply federal law, and they say, look, it's, it's a controlled substance, uh, at least the Supreme Court has, and although it's a state issue, um, we're not going to give these employers or employees the right to be um, to utilize this without uh, impunity, hmm. or with impunity, excuse right, me. Right, right. You know, so. um, I'm just wondering why the FDA hasn't, I guess because it's federally, it's, it's not legal, but I'm just wondering why they haven't required in the states that, um, that you clarify how potent um, a cookie is, you know, a cookie laced with marijuana or, a, 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 you know, or whatever it is. Um, so th- I wonder why that, do you have any idea of why they haven't, sent, you know, they do that with alcohol. You have to know exactly what, what, uh, how potent it is, but they haven't done that with marijuana, have they, in any of the states that you guys practice in? Not in any of the states that we practice in, and your, and your point is well taken. I mean, they, the, uh, the FDA has done that with all foods. I mean, food labeling is very uh, specific, and number of protein and uh, the grams of carbohydrates, I mean, all of those things are in just basic foodstuffs and alcohol, and uh, I don't think tobacco, maybe tobacco, I'm not sure about tobacco, but I, I think perhaps it is uh, a difficult uh, issue to quantify. I, I, it would be interesting to see if legalization does occur, I would imagine that you will have a, a, a large, really being California, the size of our state, mm-hmm. the economies of our state, the scale of, of the population, what will occur with the volume of products that will contain marijuana, um, and that that's an interesting subject perhaps for another yeah. uh, discussion of how the FDA is going to get involved in right. uh, perhaps they'll have pills or vapor, vaporizing uh, you know, people vaping it. Um, yeah. If it's in food, if it's produced in food, then you would think that would be a line item of the amount of uh, THC, the chemical that's the potent portion of marijuana, how much is in there, and, and perhaps the effects. Does it make you quiet? Does it make you laugh and giggle? Does it make you hungry? You know, all those things. And warning labels. About. <laughs> yeah, like if you have cookies or brownies, and, um, you know, if you're using it medicinally and your kid comes home, from school and says, oh, there's brownies, and the kid eats two or three brownies and goes into some kind of shock or something. I mean, it seems to me that there would be warning labels on it as well, just for the danger. But, we, you know, we have a judge, a Judge um, Gray in, in Orange County, who is a very strong proponent of having marijuana legalized because he says then that that would it's going to be harder for kids in high school to get it than it would be for them um, when it's illegal because when it's illegal they they get it easier than they do um, getting alcohol and so that's one of the reasons that he's seen in his drug court he is a strong proponent of having it. Uh, legalized so that it is also managed properly and that it'll be it's harder for kids to get so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that but he's he's a strong proponent on that yeah i know i know judge gray and i've i've heard uh some discussion about that he he's uh isn't he with adr services now, now he is yeah but he was yeah he was a superior court judge right right and so he uh, uh you know that's an interesting position i i don't know what the uh the fallout would be but it's it's possible. You know, the, the thing about this, Mari, is it, just like alcohol, kids in high school are drinking, um, and they're not 21. Right. Uh, they're finding a way to get it. it. You know, there probably would still be a uh, sort of black market uh, way to get the marijuana. But, you know, he, he makes a good point that perhaps it would be more challenging, and 
you know, if you see a, a 14-year-old uh, drinking a, uh, a beer on the street corner, you're, you might call the police. Um, probably would do the same thing if you saw them smoking pot. But, you know, you might say, hey, wait a second, this kid's underage. This is underage drinking. This isn't okay. But, you know, it's an interesting uh, subject. I, I don't know uh, what would happen, but I could see his point uh, coming to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the United States, 84% of states have decriminalized marijuana use. So... Could right. you tell us about some of these legal cases? We, we talked about that a couple of minutes ago that you were going to talk about some of the legal cases and how it's impacted, you know, the employer's ability to even implement the drug testing. Yeah, well, the 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 cases are the big one in, in Colorado is Coats versus Dish Network, and that's the uh, the Dish Network case, and that involved um, uh, utilization of uh, drug testing on an individual who. Tested positive, and and the biggest impact I think for Dish, and I've spoken with some of the folks from uh, uh, from that entity, and they've said you know the the biggest impact for us has been the cost of the litigation. I mean this went all the way to the Supreme Court. We spent a lot of money defending our position, which was that we it was appropriate for us to test this individual. The individual happened to be a paraplegic. He worked mm-hmm. from home. Um, he he's a sympathetic plaintiff. Right. Um, he uh, tested positive for uh, the marijuana. Now, in California, you have the uh, the Raging Wire case, which is Ross versus Raging Wire, um, and that's sort of the big one for California, and the Supreme Court followed federal law, as I mentioned. And in that case, Mr. Ross was a telecommunications individual who, as part of his job, uh, um, obtaining his job, was required to take a... a, a um, drug test. When he arrived at the drug testing facility, he informed the individual in part of his filling out of the forms that he was a medicinal marijuana user, uh, and he uh, sort of checked the box, so to speak, in that regard. Uh-huh. He began working in approximately a week or two after he began. He was notified by the clinic and by his employer that he had tested positive. His response was, of course, well, yeah, I, I tested positive. I, I told everyone that I was a medicinal marijuana user. And then he was terminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he took that case to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that, you know, prop- proposition, the Medical Marijuana Act, uh, the, the Compassionate Use Act, does not protect uh, an employee and, in fact, protects the employer and that the uh, that act does not in any way speak to the rights uh, or um, liabilities of an employer. So an employer can, can uh, certainly terminate an employee for testing positive, and they, in fact, uh, applied federal law in that in that ruling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There wasn't there wasn't any state precedent, so they, you know that was the main reason there wasn't any solid state precedent. So raging wire became the California law. Right. Um, and, and have uh, any cases in any of the other states that you are in, you know, ruled in favor? Well, the one with the paraplegic did that rule in favor of the plaintiff? Did they rule in? No, that ruled in favor of the of, of the, the employer. Uh, the Okay. Yeah. Okay. But there are other states, the uh, the states um, that allow, uh, there are four right now, New York, Minnesota, Arizona, and Delaware uh-huh. allow a individual to be um, a medical under the influence, not under the influence, but test positive for uh, marijuana. New York tends to lead uh, the way ca- uh, California does. And so those four states have said um, they're not. There's no. There's not recreational use is not legal, but medicinal use is legal. Mm. And they have said that in the instance of an individual who is medically uh, permitted to be utilize marijuana, that that person is falls into a protected class, and that person cannot be terminated for testing positive. 
so those are the four out of the uh, uh, you know, almost the complete uh, wash of the, of the nation. And I think um, in between writing that article and now, Pennsylvania has added been added on as a state that is allowing medical marijuana. So mm-hmm. with their recent elections, which I think were just a few months ago. So, you know, they, the states are going to follow in, and once California uh, approves this, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone else fell right in behind them, because that tends to happen. So, and when somebody, here we are on the campus of the University of California, and people are going to be looking for jobs, and if it becomes legal, or even if it doesn't become legal, um, can you ask on an application whether you use medicinal marijuana, or you use marijuana for uh, recreational purposes. What about the applicant? Uh, the application. Well, with regard to an application, that brings up interesting uh, questions with regard to medical conditions. So, yeah. uh, normally, you would not be entitled to ask somebody about a medical condition which would affect their um, their rights with regard to privacy. Right. If it has something that is germane to the actual task at hand then a medical, uh, a physical can be undertaken, um, usually not an invasive physical. Um, the, the types of things I'm, I'm thinking of are to become a pilot. You know, you have to go through a, uh, if you're going to work as a pilot, you're going to go through a medical testing. Your, your vision is going to be checked. Right. Um, and as part of your application or your um, interview process is going to include questions like that. If you're operating heavy machinery, if you're driving a bus, uh, if you're doing... So the bus drivers on the UC campuses, I know I went to UC San Diego and we had bus drivers that were oftentimes students, and those students would then have to get uh, go through a process of getting a specialized license and go through testing, and their vision had to be appropriate. They couldn't have any type of medical dis- disorder that might create a problem, um, such as diabetes or perhaps uh, um, you know anything else that might affect their the safety of the individuals that they're transporting. Um, and so in this case, if you, if you had a, a job that specifically required uh, a certain amount of safety, then, um, you know, the inquiry would be, uh, you know, probably less intrusive, but it still is one that I would, I would be concerned about as an employer, and certainly I want to work out all the details before asking something like that. Yeah. We have just a couple of minutes left. How about giving our employers some specific uh, suggestions as to what they should and should not put on um, an application with regard to um, drug use or marijuana use? I, well, yeah, I, I would... I would say don't put anything on an application. Uh, if you're going, if you're concerned about drug use, uh, then send them to drug testing okay. and get it, get the information that way. So every every new applicant would, once you're considering them, they know ahead of time that this is one of the requirements to be drug tested, right? Everybody, it would be the same for everybody, right? So it's not discriminatory. Everyone, mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has to go and and get drug tested. Right. That, that, that's a, you know, if you're going to work in a lumber yard or you're going to drive a taxi or you're going to do anything like that, it, it's pretty common for employers to do it. The employer usually pays for it. Um, there are costs associated with it, but if an employer is concerned, instead of putting it on the application and risking HIPAA issues and um, privacy issues, then I think the individual claiming, hey, you, you put this on my application and you didn't give me the job because of that, better off to just send them out for testing before. Right, right. Anything else? It's it's so interesting because when you when you're drinking, 
on the job. That's pretty obvious. But if you've had alcohol, if you were binging all weekend, I don't know how long alcohol stays in your system, I would think, for just a couple days, right? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't even think that long. But I I think it's, you know, uh, every ounce of alcohol dissipates within each hour. So um, I've had had a case involving, you know, people who are heavily intoxicated and in trial utilizing toxicologists to describe that. And it it gets out pretty quickly. I mean, not a really intoxicated person, and you wish it would go away, but uh, for purposes of, you know, a weekend bender, you know, it, <laughs> it goes pretty quick. Right. Uh, and, it, and it's not going to, the testing is just not going to be the same as it would be for marijuana. That's the, that's the real yeah. rub here. I mean, marijuana, you may smoke it or ingest it, and the effects might last for two hours, and the test may be positive for 30 days. Wow. So, um, that That's really the sort of nebulous area that employers and individuals, uh, if they're using it, need to, need to be concerned with. Right. Well, we are just out of time. That was wonderful, Jason. Just give your website, and it's time to go. Okay. Our website is www.gordonreese, that's G-O-R-D-O-N-R-E-E-S.com. And thank you very much, Mari. Okay, we'll talk again soon after we see what happens in November, right? Right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org. In the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 